Welcome to episode 72 of the Energy for Life podcast show, and I am your host, Corona Brady. It's been a while since my last episode, so please accept my apologies. There's been a lot going on in my world, but perhaps that's a sharing for another day. Today, I'm back sharing a podcast interview I did with the amazing Isaiah McKimmy, who is a couples therapist, a sex therapist, a sexologist, and coach here in Australia. Whether you're in a relationship or not, or you're desiring to be, I believe everyone will learn something from this today. This is a deep dive interview we did during COVID last year, and it's one where I speak very openly, honestly, and vulnerably about my divorce being the catalyst for an extraordinary life. I believe that we each have the possibility within us to turn our greatest pain into an opportunity to discover something within us we never thought was possible. So sit back, grab a pot of tea and enjoy this deep dive today. And as always, I hope you find this incredibly valuable and that you learn something new. I've been secretly admiring my guest today for a while. I love her wisdom and grace. But one of her posts on Instagram recently caught my attention and prompted me to reach out. She spoke about her divorce being the catalyst for an extraordinary life. She posted, Growth happens when we can lean in and embrace the discomfort and the unknown. No transformation occurs in the known. Corona Brady kindly accepted my invitation to talk about her own journey of growth and transformation on the podcast, and I'm especially grateful because I think we're all experiencing huge and unexpected changes in our lives right now. Whether it's divorce, a relationship breakdown, a lost job, business failure, or unexpected life shift, I also believe that these things that we often think of as devastating at the time can really propel our lives to somewhere different and much more amazing than we ever could have planned. Listen in as I talk to Corona as she shares her journey through change. Welcome to Wholehearted Love Life and Intimacy, here to help you create harmonious relationships and inspired life and wholehearted intimacy. I'm your host, couples therapist and sexologist, Asaya McKimmy. Join me as I share inspiring conversations, proven advice, and practical tools for wild confidence, epic pleasure, and harmonious relationships. If you don't already, follow me on Instagram at asayamckimmy.sexologist. And if you find value from this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave me a review. Good morning, Corona. Thank you so much for joining us on Wholehearted. Thank you. It's an honor to be here today. I'm excited to have a conversation with you. Likewise, I have been watching your journey uh, for quite a while now and really loving what you share, but it's been a couple of your posts on Instagram recently that have really caught my attention and prompted me to reach out to you. You have written, um, you know, started to write more openly about your choice to get a divorce a couple of years ago and that being the catalyst for like incredible change and actually an extraordinary life. And I really wanted to talk about that right now because I think that so many of us are experiencing huge and unexpected changes yeah. in our lives right now. <laughs> yeah. 
So, you know, whether it's a divorce, a relationship breakdown, a lost job, business failure, or just an incredible unexpected life shift, I also really believe that these things that we often think of as devastating at the time can really propel ourselves to somewhere different and much more amazing than we ever had planned. Absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree with that. You can't see it at the time. (laughs) You have to move through that uncomfortable place. But yeah, Yeah. when you're out the other side, it's just, it's a different life to anything you even ever imagined. I would love you to just take us right back to, you know, that moment um, or the decision of, you know, of deciding to, you know, to, to have a divorce. None of us ever get married thinking that it's going to end in, in divorce. So what was, that, what was that moment like for you when you realized that that's what you needed to do for yourself? Yeah, it was it was pretty scary actually because I certainly had no intention of getting married and with, you know, any intention that it was going to lead to a divorce. That was just not in my mind whatsoever. Both of my parents are still married, so like I come from um you know, a family where my parents are still together and you know their relationship is strong. So um yeah, it was it was pretty frightening actually. And to have that realization um, and that realization, it, you know, it's not that I just kind of one day woke up and this kind of thought came into my mind. And yeah. it was something that had been sitting there for a while. And we had been going through our own challenges inside the relationship. And, and we did try to work through those. Mm-hmm. And um unsuccessfully (laughs) and um actually my body received the messages first and true anxiety that's what tends to happen for me and so I, I was getting a lot of anxiety to the point of like nearly panic attacks it was so bad and I hadn't been at that place with my anxiety for a very long time so I knew my body was trying to tell me something And yeah, that something was that my marriage was over and I needed to be courageous and I needed to step into the unknown and I needed to end this relationship because it required one of us to be courageous. And I don't think my ex-partner would have done that. You know, one of us needed to to be courageous and and leave. Uh, there's there's two things that I really love in that one is that you're saying you know your body your body had the wisdom kind of before your mind was was willing to recognize it wow yeah and it it was scary um because um I deep down I knew what it was it was telling me (laughs) and then so I just had to sit with that and and process it and actually that came to me I was actually on holiday with my ex-husband at the time we were in Mexico we were at a friend's wedding and that's when all of the anxiety started and that's when I started to um yeah get that message that I needed to make drastic change and and when I came back from that holiday it was just one morning I woke up and it was just like right this is what I have to do and how how am I going to do this and I didn't do it straight away of course you have to you know that thought comes then you have to sit with it and you have to think through it 
and you have to think how you're going to do this because and not only was I ending the relationship with a man I had spent 16 years with so you know that's a long time and I'm not a quitter so I like when I go into something I go all in and so I also wanted to ensure that the decision I was making that I had absolutely tried everything you know and that you know I, I had tried everything to try and keep that relationship and I didn't want to give up too soon and but also a big thing for me was not only was I ending the relationship with that man and you know my life partner but he was also my business partner so that was that was really huge because and I was I was losing two things in the last (laughs) two really big things and I think that that is a really good point because often, you know, it isn't just the relationship itself or it isn't just the person itself when we decide to separate. It's, you know, there's a business, there's a house, there's, you know, in some cases a family yeah. and all the hopes and dreams oh, that yeah. we had for the future. It's the hopes and dreams. Yeah, like that was huge. And then the grieving process that I had to go through. Oh, my gosh. To talk us through that somewhat, because I I think, you know, when we're there, it can feel like we'll never get out of it. It can feel so completely overwhelming. I mean, tell us what what that process of, you know, of grieving your 16-year relationship was like for you. Oh, it was was the darkest, darkest time of my life, Um, you know, because to make that decision and then walk away and... I remember the day I like packed up my case and I put it into my car and I drove back to Sydney and I moved into an apartment. I just took a room somewhere. I wasn't really sure what the hell I was going to do, (laughs) where I was going. Was I going to go back to Europe? I didn't really know, but I just kept taking those steps. And um, I lived with somebody for a number of months and that was wonderful. But then I realized, you know what, I think I need to live alone because um, I need, you know, I had my own business and I needed my own space. And that really was when the grieving really started <laughs> when I moved into my own apartment, because firstly, I had never lived on my own, like ever, <laughs> you know, like because I got with my ex-husband when we were like, we met when we were 20 and we got together on my 21st birthday. So, wow. And, you know, I was so young. We were both so young and I had never lived alone ever. I didn't even, I didn't even know how to be an adult. <laughs> on my own it was huge oh there's something as you're as you're speaking about this like I'm feeling oh really my my own kind of memories of of grief and you know about Mm. you know various kinds of things in my life but it's just I think such a reminder that it's really straightforward there we can often go through a period of months when we think we're okay with something but Mm. then we discover these deeper layers or that oh Oh, my gosh we were just getting through now we're getting to the real grief yeah and there's so many layers like I I definitely went through a dark night of the soul like it it was incredibly dark and and especially living on my own I felt very alone and Mm. um yeah it was all consuming actually and 
there was some days that the grief literally like took me to my knees, like literally to my knees, like mm-hmm. just crying on um, my um, tiled kitchen floor or tiled bedroom floor and just not being able to get out of bed and just wanting to to stay in bed and just there was a lot of tears and sometimes those tears would just come out of nowhere I could be driving the car and I'd just have to stop the car on the side of the road because I just could not stop crying and it was like just weeping like weeping and weeping and weeping I'm so grateful to you for sharing this because I think when we are going through something so challenging like this, a grief over a breakup or some kind of loss, we we put this pressure on ourselves that we should be better or we yeah. should be strong and 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 you know and and that version of strong is often to push those emotions down yeah. and, and push them away. Yeah, and I think a lot of the time um, when people are navigating something like this, yeah, they absolutely push through it and they operate their business the same way and they keep doing everything the same way. But for me, it, it was a really quiet time. <laughs> I think the universe really made me be quiet in that time, like that I wasn't continuing the same way I was working because I couldn't. Yeah. I just couldn't. I, of course, I was still serving um, some clients at the time, but definitely not to the capacity that I had been doing prior to that. So it was like as if the universe really gave me that space to just to just be. I had no choice. <laughs> I think, I mean, that is such an incredible gift from the universe. Uh, yes. We often don't talk about those times either, and we're kind of putting on that brave face. Yeah. For the outside world, we, you know, it's perhaps a coping mechanism for ourselves or we think we're kind of protecting everyone else. But my experience with these really big emotions is that if we don't give ourselves the time and space to feel them, they're going to catch up with us eventually. Like we, we don't run away from them by not feeling them. They just kind of hang around for longer. Absolutely. Yeah. And like the the only way I can really explain like that, it was really, you know, it's two years now, actually, last month that we've been separated and we got like the divorce came through in November just before my birthday. Mm. Um, but it was really, yeah, a good year and a half of me just sitting in that space of just, yeah. And like the, the best word that I can describe is that I just felt like I was dying. It felt like such a death. And it was because there was so much loss in that. And when anything ends in your life, there is a death that's occurring. Yes. Yes, on every level. And like what you mentioned, it's all of those, like the hopes and dreams and all of that, that you have to grieve. Did did you also feel like you had somewhat kind of lost your identity or the idea Absolutely. of I did not know who I was. I was like, who am I? Like what music do I even like? I my whole identity was tied into because you know we had been together 16 years and I actually just really did not know who I was. I didn't even know what songs I liked. I didn't even know what style of music I was into. I was like, what is my hobbies? Like, who the heck am I? <laughs> I feel like there are so many women, and I'm sure men as well, who can actually relate to that. Oh, men too, for sure. Because yeah. I actually had a few men say those words to me, actually. So, 
Yeah, men too, without a doubt. I think it's on both sides. Yes, yes. So what was that process for you like of of reclaiming your identity? Where do you even start with with figuring out who you are again? Yeah, and I think, you know, a big thing for me really during that time was really my spiritual practice and having a practice that really was my saving grace and and creating some kind of routine in my day, ritual in my day. So getting up and no matter how crap I felt and just starting my day with my rituals and and incorporating Kundalini yoga in that. And the great thing about Kundalini yoga is it really has the power in supporting you to connect with your true identity. And so really through the breathwork and the meditations, like very specific meditations and kriyas that I was choosing, that was actually supporting me to come more and more into myself and and connect back to my true self. But I think probably during that time, there was just a lot of self-reflection. So I was just doing a lot of journaling and just asking myself those deeper questions, like what did I enjoy as a child? Like, and what lit me up as a child? And, mm-hmm. um, you know, what did I even enjoy doing before meeting my ex? Because we met so young, like when we were 20. Um, and so just thinking back to that time and how I just loved movement and dance and singing. And so I actually reconnected with that and I started salsa classes and, and just reconnecting with some of those old hobbies. And then just exploring music, like I got a Spotify account and I was just listening to everything and anything and then just creating these different folders of um, different new artists um, that I could now say is, yeah, this is me. This is the kind of music that I like listening to. I I really love that because it we often think of like reclaiming our identity as these really big things and big goals and where are we going in our lives but it's often those really small things <laughs> that make a difference as well Spotify what music do I like yeah. and I, I love that answer of going back to what did I enjoy when yeah. I was young I think that is such a powerful thing for us all to explore I often recommend to my clients that mm. they make a pleasure menu so yes. those things that they can go to that that fill them up and nourish them and and when I think of the things that bring me pleasure they they actually also haven't changed a whole mm. lot from from when I was young I I loved baking and cooking yeah. and being creative in the kitchen then I love turning on you know I think when I was like 10 it was like the Grease soundtrack so the music has somewhat (laughs) changed but but the kind of you know that desire to dance around my living room and shake everything out that that hasn't changed Um, yeah and I got into clubbing again as well, which is fun. Oh, that's so great. Yeah, because like when me and my ex-mate met, like we were both very much into clubbing and, you know, that that then became quite a big thing in our relationship. Um, but I wanted to find that again myself. And so I did. I started to reconnect back with that and just started going out dancing again just for the sheer fun of us. Uh, your your accent and the mention of of clubs is taking me back to um, <laughs> to, 
<laughs> to to many many nights uh, over many months that uh, that I spent in Ireland um, uh. <laughs> when I was I think maybe eighteen and and nineteen um, and and just just the um, the fun and the joy yeah. and and the laughter that that I actually remember yeah. uh, from those times as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I also really love that you mentioned um, your spiritual practice and and its role because that is something I wanted to to ask you about. I've really found myself, you know, in this time of of mm. transition, um, feeling so grateful for my own spiritual mm. practice and just really kind of wondering or feeling for people who don't have a spiritual practice at this time because I don't know how I would be coping in this time (laughs) yes without my spiritual practice and like you there are so many days you know even even now where I wake up and I think oh I don't want to do my practice or I have all of these reasons why Mm. I shouldn't you know I should should go to work or it's not going to make a difference or the world is so uncertain anyway but Mm. It's like I've been trying to explain it to um, to the women doing my my tantra course at the mm. moment, and and actually there are so many similarities between Kundalini and the tantra yes. that that I do. We've um, and it's so so many people that come to my classes say, "Oh my god, this is so similar to Kundalini." I know we share yeah. a lot of the same practices, but my spiritual practice almost feels like my anchor. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. To start my day with that anchor and and most often to end my day with that anchor as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because, yeah, otherwise you're just getting, your mind is just getting caught. You're getting caught with everything. If you don't have that, yeah, you're just getting caught. You're just getting carried away with everything, the hype, the chaos, the drama. And yeah, I often think that as well, especially during these times. I just think, gosh, what, how are people that don't have these rituals and practices coping? Yeah. What are they doing? And they're probably more than likely using destructive habits, numbing habits. And, you know, I, I used to do that many years ago. Uh, and me and me also and yeah. and and you're right like um you know speaking of you know of the the clubbing and the and the the times that uh I was going out that I you know that I was using drugs I know I've spoken yeah. about that on the podcast before but it as tantra came into my life and as I started to feel the mm. peace and the joy of yeah. of my spiritual practice it wasn't that I had to forcefully give up the other things in my life no. what I've noticed continually is that things just fall away yes the things absolutely. that yeah used to you know kind of get me yeah. through or give me that high it's like oh I'm just not I don't yeah. have the same compulsion for them anymore that's, yeah that's so interesting because that's exactly for me as well I I know when I was going right you know in the thick of the separation I did return to some destructive numbing habits and, and I was drinking wine and not that I turned into a wino and I was drinking wine every single night and drinking bottles and bottles and it was maybe a glass a couple of glasses here and there in the week but it, I know I knew it wasn't serving me and it was just making me feel crap and and it, it's just dropped away now and I just don't even really have any desire to consume it in any way. Mm. 
I, I love the way that you're speaking about that now because I don't hear any kind of judgment or criticism of yourself in in you turning to those patterns, but there's no. a real kind of compassion and that's what I did and now it's fallen away because you gave yourself back to your spiritual practice and the other mm. things kind of disappeared. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Mm. And it's not that because I can be quite rigid. I can be rigid <laughs> by nature. So I didn't want to say I'm removing it completely. And I haven't said that to myself. I've kind of just said, if I'm ever in a situation where I feel like a nice glass of champagne or whatever, or a glass of wine, I'm going to allow myself to have it. But yeah. I don't have any desire to, to drink right yeah. now. Mm. There was something else I, I wanted to to mention, and I know I've been kind of writing about this on my own Instagram page recently, is that, you know, having a spiritual practice doesn't make us immune no. from these things, <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily make our life look better from no. from the outside in the sense that we will still go through these difficulties, we will still, you know, end up you know, potentially getting divorced, having these huge career changes, um, you know, struggling with our finances, whatever it might be, you know, still being, you know, part of the world that is in the grip of a global pandemic. But for me, my spiritual practice changes the way I cope with that. And and I think what I find is that I recover faster now. So yes, I still kind of wobble and, you know, turn to my own um, scrolling social media, um, eating foods that don't really serve me, just feeling really angry with, you know, God, the universe, life. But I come back even faster than, you know, than I ever did. Yeah, because the awareness is there, right? And you kind of catch yourself quicker. (laughs) Yes, yes. Yeah, it's just like everything just just moves through faster, and I and I come back to that balance, um, the balance again. Yeah, yeah. I, I just want to while we're still kind of talking about your your transition from your yeah. marriage, I, I just want to I want to ask. You know, I think one of the biggest fears that people have in ending a relationship, mm. especially one they thought would last their entire lives, is yeah. that they'll never love again, or they'll oh. never find someone as suited to them. Have you found love again? And what would you say to <laughs> someone thinking that right now? The words that I could give anyone if they're you know moving through divorce right now or they're feeling a little hopeless is that you absolutely can find love again I believe that there's many people out there for everyone I don't believe that one person has just you know the one love of their life I think that there's many compatible partners there for us but I think you actually have to do the work if if you want to find love again you have to do the work of unraveling that relationship. I think uh, what I have seen too often because I support and empower women um, is that often when a marriage or relationship ends, too soon we jump into the next relationship and we haven't unraveled um, that relationship and our patterns and our programming and where that came from so that we don't repeat those patterns again. And that was absolutely something I knew I would absolutely have to do. And that's the work I have been doing for the last two years. And I'm still working with a therapist right now because there's just always stuff to work through. And I think then even when somebody new comes into your life, 
that brings up some stuff as well and requires you to work through that. So I think you can absolutely find love again, but I think you have to do the work. You have to unravel first that relationship. I'm giving such a big yes to this. Um, I I 100% believe that as well. You know, I often have, um, you know, and it's usually women that I'm working with. So um, women, but men as well who, you know, who reach out and say, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of getting into a new relationship. I'm afraid that I'll get hurt again. I'm afraid Mm. that I'll make the same mistakes again. Mm. Um, And the question is often then, so how do I choose the partner that's going to be better for me next time? And my my response is that you've got to come back to yourself, to start with yourself, to look at what was it that was going on in you Mm. that that shows that person that contributed to those patterns. Mm. So Yes, start by looking at you know, mm. at yourself because then you can't choose the same person again. You can't make the same mistakes Absolutely. again if you're yeah. a changed person. Yeah, and I think like a big part of the work for me has been kind of looking at, well, how did I learn, like where did I learn about love yes. and what, you know, what did I see growing up as um, what love meant to me? And then it's really working through some of those and letting go of some of those beliefs that weren't even mine in the first place. Yes, I think that is such a powerful, powerful exercise, both for for people to do by themselves, um, but for anyone who's listening who is still in a relationship, um, you know, to to talk about that with your partner as well, because those expectations, those norms that we have and we expect someone to kind of fit with what we were taught or our, you know, unexamined yes. beliefs and, and they don't because they've mm. had a whole different experience very mm. often. And I think for me as well, if I look back on my marriage and and the beginning of that relationship, I went in looking to get <laughs> and mm. that's a very different space that I'm in right now. Like I'm not going to get anything from anybody because I don't need anything from that person I'm full up already from within and I'm just going to that person now with the love that I have in my heart and I'm not grasping for something I don't need them to complete me on some level and that's a big difference I think Oh, that that is such a beautiful way of seeing things. And I I actually I really like that, you know, we often talk about you have to love yourself first. I think that's often a kind of uh, almost an oversimplistic way to put it. I, I really like what you're saying here. It's about actually not needing something, not yeah. going to get from the other yeah. one. It's giving. You're like you are so full up that you are going to actually you you you're wondering what can I give here? How can we grow together? And that's the way that I want relationship to be. It's like growth for me. Mm. And <laughs> <sighs> um, we we you mentioned in there um, uncertainty and that you are actually kind of loving being in this place right now um, without the rigid kind of walls that um, yes. that you have that you have had for yourself before, and, and that is so exciting for me. And I, I would really love to just explore that more with you because 
Yeah. I, I've, you know, I think this is again something that we are all kind of sitting in um, right now. And, uh, you know, it has been a, a huge part of my journey in yeah. India. Um, nothing is ever, um, nothing is ever rigid there for very long. You, I, I feel like just when I kind of find my pattern with something, something changes or, you know, it's always so chaotic. Um, mm. And, uh, I know I was sharing with you right before the the call that I was, you know, I found in one of my notebooks that I've been keeping uh, in India, um, a little note to myself yesterday that really kind of said, um, you know, instead of trying to look for certainty in your life and in the world, become comfortable mm. with the uncertainty. <laughs> yeah, and that's all, like that has been asked of every single person right now because yeah. everything is in flux everything's uncertain mm. I think we're really being asked to all of us embrace that yes so so that we can actually be in the world in a different way because yes really we we think the world is is more uncertain now than it was a couple of months ago mm. but but I think the reality is it was always, it was always. uncertain yes. it was we always <laughs> Yeah, and we covered it up because we were so damn busy, right? Yes. yes <laughs> and so and now we have this space to actually sit and be. And for somebody that, you know, doesn't, didn't, that wasn't part of their life, that's really scary for them right now. Yes, absolutely. Tell me about what you see as the opportunity in that though. Right now, How are you loving yeah. this uncertainty and, and kind of openness that, that you have, you know, in your in your relationship and in life right now? Yeah, and I think, um, firstly, I think it's really, you know, of course, yes, there's so much uncertain right now. And we've got a choice. You can spiral down into that thought of, oh, my God, everything's so uncertain. And then you can let that lead to another thought and you can start creating all of these future (laughs) stories in your head and of of course we all go there look some days I go there (laughs) but I snap myself out very quickly or you can actually like look at this and go wow there's so much uncertainty right now but there is so much possibility and there is so much opportunity and that's what I'm choosing I'm just choosing to just see the opportunity and the possibility in all of this and um, I think the world is going to be so different when we're out the other side of this and, and I think there's so much positive happening right now and maybe some of us can't see that but there's so much so much good is going to come out of this mm-hmm. yes it's scary and it's uncertain but we're going to be living life a different way and we're just going to be making different choices and we're going to realize what's important to us Yes. When I look back on my life, it was some of those, it's almost like, you know, in my own life, certain things had to unravel or things had to so completely unravel that I had no choice but to let them go. And I wouldn't have chosen something different for myself if things hadn't kind of disintegrated so, so completely. Um, Even, you know, the way when I think about the way that I ended up doing this work I'm doing now, you know, I remember so clearly this one weekend where I had lost my job, broken up with my partner 
And, you know, and he had started seeing someone again, mm. like right away. Um, so I, and we were still living together and oh, I was like, oh my God, I can't, I can't stay in a house knowing that if you don't come home for the night, that mm. that's, that that's where you are. So like literally within the space of about 48 hours, I realized I had lost my job, my relationship and my house. And, wow. and I was just kind of finding my feet again after a, a hugely dark and challenging period that I had been through. But it was also like you, it was really my spiritual practice at that time mm. that had helped me kind of claw my way out of that hole. And I remember being at that point kind of feeling like, okay, I could kind of collapse again and just be overwhelmed by this change I'm suddenly faced with. Or I can really look forward and, and see, like, what is the opportunity for me here? How can I deal with this differently? And and in, in having kind of literally, like, you know, everything, like the, the kind of trifecta in my life fall apart, I actually was able to make the choice to go to the the states um and that's where i i went to do more tantra training which became um really the kind of catalyst for me deciding to become um wow. a couples therapist and a sex therapist and i wow. 100% would would not have been able to make that choice yeah. You know, if I'd had even yeah. one of those things, if I, you know, even if, if I'd yeah. still had my job, I probably wouldn't have made that decision. If I'd still had the house, I wouldn't have made that decision. But in, in everything falling away, there were suddenly these opportunities yeah. that I had never really considered before. It kind of sounds like, um, uh, you know, what the three steps of a transition, actually. And I learned about this through the teachings of Kundalini Yoga. Again, thank you to these amazing teachings. Is like that there's three stages and steps in a transition. And it's probably good for me to even share this right now, because I think we're all in a transition right now yes. with what's happening in the world. And the first step is um, letting go. And the second step is, oh no, sorry. The first step is, yeah, letting go. The second step is the pause. <laughs> and that's where you're just kind of sitting in the void. You're sitting in the empty space. Um, and then the third step is the new beginning. And so that beginning will only take off when we let go and when we've allowed ourselves to sit in the void and sit in that empty space. And we don't know how long each part is going to last. <laughs> that can be the uncertain and uncomfortable thing. <laughs> Yeah, I love that because the pause is so important, isn't it? We want to jump oh, right to action so again. Important. It's so important. Like, but it can be so frustrating because, like, I know all about that pause because I feel like I was sitting in it for like two years, <laughs> and it's it's so uncomfortable because, especially for somebody that's an overachiever like me, and I just want to be going on to the next goal and the next yeah. thing, and you can't. You just you have to sit in that space and you just have to trust however yes. long you have to be in that space. Yes. And, and then, you know, your intuition is going to tell you, right, the new beginning. And maybe that's a creative impulse that comes 
right, I'm going to create this program or right, I'm going to do this. <laughs> yes, you know, it, it's true. And I, I want to share actually uh, my kind of experience recently in India, because even even though, I mean, right before I left India, I mean, I would say my life was, I mean, kind of for me, like the oh, most beautiful, the most kind of idyllic that it has ever been. Um, but what I was finding was I wasn't feeling as as creative as I kind of thought I should have been and I was like oh I have all these projects that I want to start why can I not seem to get the energy to do it and and, uh, you know there was this kind of uh, a little bit of judgment of myself that I wasn't um you know I wasn't doing more but as I look back now and see the way the world has unfolded that kind of lack of doing was actually perfect because anything that I had started then wouldn't wouldn't have been able to to come to fruition and and now that I have you know I'm have you know had to come back to Australia and kind of had had my life well all of our lives are in very different places to what we what we imagine I'm feeling the creative spark for for new projects and and, and, yeah and we have the space like which is wonderful right yeah yes so I'm I'm all for the the pause and all for being in that void and and I don't necessarily think it's a sign of laziness or lack no of discipline way. but yeah. but actually we really need to listen to our intuition in that um yeah to wait for that inspired action to come mm. yeah because it comes from the right space then and you're creating from the right space as well yes yes so I would love for you to share with us more about what kundalini yoga is I know um you know with touched on it many times throughout this conversation and 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 I you know I I think it's such an incredible practice can you share more about what it is and and what it involves for someone who you know who might be thinking that maybe it's for them Yes. So um, I just feel so blessed that um, I firstly practice Kundalini Yoga and secondly, that I get to be a teacher of this amazing technology um, that I came across maybe about eight years ago. And the moment I came across this practice, I knew from the very first class I was in that I was just, I had to teach, Mm. (laughs) to share the teachings. That's how profound it was. And the way that I see Kundalini Yoga in comparison to other styles of yoga is that it is a complete practice of transformation. Mm -hmm. So the Kriyas, which is basically just a set of exercises, they're way more specific to say like a flow class or a Hatha class or an Iyengar class, which might be maybe focused on stretching and alignment. The Kriyas in a Kundalini class, they're very specific and they're really about creating energy, but then organizing that energy and then delivering you to this very specific energetic state and it's always one of greater awareness and and what I love about the practice is that you practice with your eyes closed (laughs) so it's a deep inner practice you're not looking outside of yourself it's not about how perfect you can do your downward facing dog or your headstand or your handstand (laughs) or what you've got on and you're comparing yourself to the person next to you on your mat this is a real inner practice so it's about making a connection with your spirit and during your practice because you're really dropping in the eyes are closed you can reach moments of complete stillness where you are just sitting quietly 
and you really awaken to your true self. And the breath work that we do, we do lots of powerful pranayam in Kundalini Yoga, along with the Kriyas. It is so powerful that it really starts to strip away the layers that really veil your consciousness. And that's really when you can connect with your own vastness, your own fullness, and through the practice. And it's just such a strengthening practice. Like, you know, it's a great practice for these times to be fighting off any virus because the Kriyas really work on strengthening your nervous system, like balancing your glandular system and really just purifying your body and creating a very calm mind. And anybody can practice it. It's the yoga of householders. You can wear a pair of jeans. You can be sitting on a chair on your couch practicing kundalini yoga. It's really for everyone and anyone. You don't have to be flexible. Absolutely not. And it's a practice for everyone. Everyone's welcome to practice kundalini. Mm. Yeah, I love it because I think that is, you know, what can kind of turn some people off yoga. Like I'm I'm not going to look good in active wear or I'm not very flexible or that's going to be really hard. Yeah. Um, but that, um, you know, for me, that that isn't the the aim of, of yoga no. to, to be super flexible, <laughs> exactly. really strong or to hold these poses. Like, to be wearing a certain outfit, like seriously, that is not what this practice is about. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really about, it's really about what I'm hearing. And, and again, I think this is, um, you know, with, again, my Tantra mm. teachings taking a lot and sharing a lot from Kundalini Yoga, that it is really about that inner work <laughs> and that there's meditation and breath work as well as some physical practices yeah. in there, but that isn't the focus. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you have just launched your online school, which is such amazing timing for yes. everyone who can't get to their regular yoga classes right now. So tell us more about your school and what you have to offer there. Yes. So I really felt like because, you know, the virus is called the coronavirus, which is the same <laughs> name as my name, which is a very unique name. I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this virus is called Corona. I really felt like it was my duty to create something and to turn a positive into what's happening right now. Yeah. And so that's why I created Corona's Kundalini Online School. And <laughs> it's really it's a monthly and um, community membership. And it's really to support men and women. Um, most of my work to date has really been with women, but I am working with more men these days, which is nice. Mm -hmm. But the school is open to men and women. And it's really to support men and women of all ages and, and all, you know, wherever they are in their practice, whether they're a beginner or experienced, and just to support them during these very turbulent, uncertain times. And, you know, they can practice self-care with me from any part of the world. And, and you know, they can all from the comfort of their own home. And the the membership, we the way that we have set it up is that there's three different tiers. And we've just, we've made it very, very affordable for people to just get support right now so that they actually feel supported. They feel held through these current times. Oh, it's so important. I really can't, I guess, kind of convey enough to people how, you know, how, life-changing and how supportive a spiritual practice can be mm. and it can feel like kind of an 
effort to get started or we can have all of these mental barriers to it. But for me, you know, I just, I cannot imagine my life without it. It's, it's what I do every day before my phone gets turned on, before Mm. I start engaging with the world. And, and it really is like my, my anchor and my rock. And I know it, um, it helps me feel better within myself, Mm. but it also makes me more effective in the world because less of my energy is going to to fear and worry and you know and uncertainty and that's very damaging for your nervous system every single time you choose to go into a space of fear or panic that's really affecting your nervous system Yes. Yeah. And, and then that's the, um, you know, it's like a cycle because mm. when our nervous system is out of balance, it's so hard to calm the mind and to, exactly. to change our emotional state. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Corona, thank you so much for just for sharing so, so openly this, you know, this time of transition for you and, and you're emerging um, in the mm. other side and, <laughs> And, and also thank you for creating this, um, you know, incredible school right now that really shares the, the, the science and the technology that has been supporting people for so long. I, I absolutely believe that we need these teachings. We need these technologies and sciences more than ever. And, and my real hope is that one of the things that comes out of this time for us is that we, we we look for that we don't look for certainty in mm. the world anymore yeah. we we look at how we can um really equip ourselves and yeah. and and go forward into the world differently yeah because yeah. nothing is certain that's just uh, the perception that we put on things yes um <laughs> corona and um, where where can people find out more about you and their school if they're listening right now yeah you can go to my website coronabrady.com and we have so many free resources on our website you can watch a free webinar that you can sign up to and you'll be able to find the details of kundalini online school there there's lots of free articles and then i also have a podcast show energy for life which you can find on itunes and there's close to 60 free episodes there as well perfect and i will put all of those links on my show notes as well corona thank you again so much thank you it was such an honor to have this conversation with you today ah thank you Thank you so much for listening. For more great tips and advice, head over and follow me on Instagram at siamakimi.sexologist. And if you found value from this episode, please head to iTunes and leave me a five-star review. 